Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Well, hello, and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. My name is Kate Spencer. And I am Dorisha Freer. And look, we are lovingly not experts. No, but we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And if you want to find anything that we discuss on our show, you can visit our website, forever35podcast.com, where we link out. We are occasionally tweeting over at Forever35Pod and I would say very, very occasionally. We basically are never on Twitter, (laughs) but if you want to at us, we would probably see it. Yes, yes. But on the gram, we're buzzing. (laughs) We're buzzing on the gram. We're buzzing like bees (laughs) over on the Instagram at Forever35Podcast. And then, of course, uh, there is a wonderful Facebook community, which you can find online where the password is serums. In... Indeed. You can also sign up for our newsletter, forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. The next issue will go out next week. You can also buy a classified ad in the newsletter. Um, I've really been enjoying the classified ads that we've been running, by the way, because it's, it's just so like such a small businesses. So many fun small businesses that are Forever 35 listeners. Cause like you would That's kind so of cool. only know about the classifieds if you, yeah, listen to here. our show or you subscribe to our newsletter. So that is just like, I just love that. I don't know. It feels very like community ish. And if you do subscribe to the newsletter and you see the classifieds, click on those links because you will be supporting a Forever 35 related business. I think that's really cool. I do too. Um, you can also call or text us. At 781-591-0390. And you can email us at forever35podcast at gmail.com. And now, Kate. Yes. Let's talk about what's going on with you. 
You know, I'm struggling. Mm. I'm struggling. And then what I'm doing is I'm making myself feel bad for feeling bad. Does that make, does that, yes. do you understand? We've had, yes. <laughs> and as I talk right now, one of the hard parts about doing this podcast, which they're not many, this is a luxurious thing to get to do, <laughs> but occasionally people will offer feedback on how we speak and the word choices we make. Sometimes they're really helpful. And other times it's like, please stop saying, does that make sense? Because it sounds like you're, you know, disqualifying what you're saying. And I'm like, I can't, I really am trying to confirm if stuff makes sense. Okay. So just note, I'm in this space right now where everything is bugging me. You know, okay. So I broke my hand less than two weeks ago. And in that, someone we saw last night was, I might have, or two nights ago, it might have been Elizabeth Holmes or I saw someone and they were like, I was listening to your episode and you were so excited about going off into the woods. And it was like, oh. I knew that you were going to break your hand and it was oh. really sad. Oh, <laughs> it's like, oh God. Oh, that is so sad. You know, I broke my hand really badly and I have, I've had surgery. Um, you know, and this has all kind of happened in two weeks of like breaking my hand, figuring out how to treat it, driving around Los Angeles, finding a surgeon, then immediately getting surgery because it was really bad. Mm-hmm. And now then recovering from the surgery. And now I've started physical therapy. And meanwhile, you know, it's still really hard to do much with my hand. And then, you know, there's a slew of other things going on in my life that's just kind of been hectic. And like this year has just, it's really worn me down. Mm. And it's also, I think, Dory, I'm struggling with the fact that like, to be honest, I'm kind of down in the dumps. Yeah, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. And then I find myself doing the thing where it's like, well, it could always be worse. I didn't break break both my hands or I didn't break other this or I can still have a hand. You know, I and I think I think I do that one because I am trying to reflect and try to like, yeah, think positively, but also two because I think I'm very self-conscious about complaining. Mm. I think I was raised not to complain. And I feel like this is a thing we put on kids. I think I've done it to my kids when actually like, I think I'm just trying to express that I'm really struggling. Yeah. But it's very like, I, I I do believe there is just generations upon generations of especially women who have been, it's been ingrained in us that mm-hmm. complaining is bad. It makes us yep. look bad. Yeah. We look like we don't appreciate what we have or, yeah. the, you know, and I, and I mean, it's like, this is hard. I'm kind of depressed and I, it's a, it's a struggle. And again, I am blessed like 10 times over. I've had friends bringing food. I've had gift cards. You know, my kids can carry things, but it's still hard. It's still hard. And, you know, I think you raise a really good point that like so many of us have been conditioned not to complain. The other side of the complaining coin was like, we were kind of told not to brag. Oh, completely. So like, not only were you not supposed to like talk about if you were feeling bad, you also weren't supposed to like, like talk about your accomplishments. <laughs> you know what I mean? Completely. Like there's this, there's like this very narrow lane of things that are like, okay to talk about. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's so true. I struggle with that immensely. Anytime yeah. anyone's like, wow, you wrote a book. I'm like, it was not a big deal. Right. I immediately put myself down when I yeah. could just be like, oh, it was hard and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. I, I, this is permeates so many aspects of how we treat ourselves and communicate and present ourselves. And it's a mess. It's not yeah. Great. I always think about um, the episode we did with Meredith Feynman, who wrote Brag Better. Yeah. Because what she pointed out about how people have to like put themselves down before they talk about an accomplishment in a self-deprecating way, like what a habit that is. And I was like, oh, wow, I've been called out, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I was just listening to an interview with Kristen Stewart, who you may know that I love, and I just saw her movie Spencer. And and I was really impressed by how she was very upfront about the fact that like she was excited about the praise she was getting for her performance and that like excited to be in amongst the Oscar buzz conversation and like, like, yeah, like she was like, yes, I like that. And that was, and it would, and there was no qualifying commentary. And I thought Mm -hmm. that was really, 
cool. Now, again, notice that what I'm now saying I liked about what Kristen Stewart said is what people have tried to offer in the feedback about how I speak and asking, does this make sense or does that make sense? So it's all a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. But I did appreciate the way that she was talking. And I will say, um, I did love that movie. You need to go into it knowing it's uh, like trigger warning, there's self-harm and eating disorder and psychological mm-hmm. stuff. But it's very good, just on an aside. I'm excited to see it. Dory, can I throw something out before we transition into talking about one of my favorite body parts? Oh, sure. I just, I'm going to circle back and go through and listen to old episodes of our show. But if anyone has like the best scar treatment products, uh, I know hello. we've talked. What is it? Hey. Yes. I've talked about this. Okay. Can you, can you joggle my brain? Because I have to start doing my like scar oiling next week and I need to like load up. And I know vitamin E is like the one I've been told, but what else? Scar sheets. That's what oh, you need. Googling. Okay. Um, I think I, I can't remember. Did I use this brand Scar Away? I'm trying to find what I actually used. So I on my C-section scar. You know, I did nothing on my C-section scar. I, I was just like a babe. I didn't know what was up and what was down. Um. Oh, look at this. You know, oh, there's tons of scar, scar away. Okay. There's tons of scars. Yeah. It looks like the ones that I, I specifically bought are not being made anymore. Um, but the same idea I used, I used a silicone scar removal sheet, which are, are made by a few different companies. So I would get some of those. Okay. Great. Thank you for that recommendation, Dory. And I, you know, I don't, know if it was my doctor's skill or the scar sheets, but my C-section scar is very faint. Like it's very light. I mean, I would like that for my hand scar because it's like a three inch scar down my hand. I mean, it also looks pretty badass. But... Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so right, that now... is my recommendation for okay, you. Thank, thank you. And I will, I will happily entertain any others. So hit me up. All right. You you all heard it here first. Hit Kate up. All right. Now, Dory, I feel like you yes. have a more positive spin on things today because you have healed yourself. Remember how I said I thought that my night terrors were because I was reading like intense like mystery or crime books before bed? Yeah. So I was like, okay, what can I read before bed that is just going to be like calming but like page turning, I wanted page turning, but not scary. So I was like, I know I'll read some romance. So I read the unhoneymooners. Oh, no way. Which was delightful. Oh man. Those two, they just, Christina and Lauren just, they know how to nail it. They really do. Although you know what? I could have used more sex. I know. Well, but have you read any of their other books? So I read The Unhoneymooners, which was delightful, but again, I could have used a little more sex. And now I'm reading my favorite Half Night Stand. So I I like owe everything in my life to Lauren and Christina because they introduced me to my literary agent, Holly. And amazing. they Yes, they are just amazing humans and I'm obsessed with all their books. And I will say on Honeymooners doesn't have as much sex as other of their books. So if oh. you need some, if you want some steering towards some sex books of theirs, I'm happy to deliver. My favorite half night stand has sex within the first like 20 pages. Yes, as they should. I know, but like not very explicit sex. Do you want some like, what are you looking for here? Anal? You know, what do we want to do? I do. Did you just say anal? I did. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I don't need anal. I, I think, you know what I'm actually realizing is that a lot of the historical romances that I've read have like a lot of very pretty graphic sex. And so that's, that's like what I've gotten used to. So my thought on Christina Lauren books is that some of their earlier books are, have a bit more 
sex scenes. Although I found that the soulmate equation, their most recent book, which I just loved, is pretty hot and heavy. Okay. Um, All right. I'll check it out. But I can, I mean, their Wild Seasons series, I mean, I literally chills just ran through my body as I- Wow. <laughs> I okay. Oh, All right. I mean, they are just the best. They are just the best. Their books are the best. Um. I'm so happy you're reading them. I mean, that to me is like the ultimate relief for nighttime reading. I mean, literally the ultimate relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I a, that's a good good change for you. I haven't had a night terror since I switched to romance. <laughs> romance has cured you. Romance has cured me. I mean, my favorite genre. You have no idea how much joy that brings me, honestly, because <laughs> I, I love romance. So I'm so passionate about it. And I I just love so many of these books and I just mm, makes me happy. I'm reading a book that's not out yet. I'm going to be blurbing and I'm really enjoying it. Oh, just spoiler alert. The author is Bridget Morrissey and I read her other book, Love Scenes, and I'm I loved that. So and I'm I I am very lucky to get a preview of her upcoming book and I'm really enjoying it. Okay. So there's a rack for a another book you could also I mean, there's so many good books out there, Dory. There are a lot of good books. Goodbye, cozy mysteries, hello, cozy romances. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> All right. Well speaking we of have a books. really sorry, what? I said, speaking of good books. Yes. I was going to say, our guest today has a new book out. Just came out yesterday. That is wonderful. It is not, it is not a novel. It is poetry. Because our guest today is Kate Bayer. <sighs> what a treat. I've been following what Kate online for a long time. And this was a real dream come true. Kate's an author and a poet, and you may know her first book, What Kind of Woman, which was a instant New York Times bestseller. And her newest book is called I Hope This Finds You Well. It just came out. Her work has been published in the New Yorker, Literary Hub, and the New York Times. And you almost certainly follow her on Instagram, where you can also see a lot of her work. And she's just an amazing writer who really captures I know I feel like every time I read her work I'm like that's how my insides feel right now. Mm-hmm. So, we were very excited to get to talk to her. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Superpower Short. The Superpower Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get okay, into it. Okay, do you want to tell me why? <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say like I I I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. 
the bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it could like, be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from quince. Ooh, mm-hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter toot, or, toot, Kate. or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, If you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's 
best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. We're so excited to have Kate on the podcast today. Kate, thank you for joining us. I am thrilled. This is this is a Yay. dream. I love this podcast. I love its vibe and I'm so I'm so happy to be here. I'm so well, excited. We love your vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> it's mutual. It is very I, very mutual. This is a dream come true, quite frankly. Same. It's mutual. It's wonderful. I'm so happy. And also we should say before we get into the conversation you know, we, uh, Dory and I helped to pr- uh, originally produce G- the podcast. She thinks just bought it. And you are responsible oh for one of like the top ever products featured on that show, the garden, oh which overalls, which I own because of that. Do you, do you yes. feel like a garden, witch when you wear them, I, I love, love them. Yeah. Same, same. Oh my gosh, Caroline, uh, she is moderating one of my events coming up and I feel like we are just going to giggle the whole time. Like we're going to, it's you like are. for a bookstore and we're just yep. going to like totally goof around the whole time and be so dumb, but I can't help it. I can't help it. She just, she <laughs> brings are, it up. It'll be great. It'll be well, great. Well, thank you for those overalls mm-hmm. because they are life changing. 100%. And very affordable. So life changing. Yeah. <laughs> It's so affordable. Sometimes you have to buy multiple pairs because they fall apart, uh, which is its own issue. But um, I'm so glad you enjoyed them. Well, we always kick off the show asking our guests about a self-care practice that uh, they have in their own lives. So do you have something you could share with us that you do on a regular basis? Oh, my gosh. Um, Self-care. Man, that is such a when I when you say self care, I just start thinking about like like creams. I just picture myself like loading my face with creams if I was doing this right, and I have none of that. So I'm trying to think of what I actually do. I I think my self care is like no matter what time I get home from something or how much I have going on before bed, I drink like a huge <laughs> cup of ice water. This is so lame. And, this is not uh, lame. You need to not, you can't call this lame. Go on. <laughs> there's, there's no special product. It's just water. Um, but I, I try to drink a ton of water before bed, which is problematic, but I feel like I just sit and have a minute of like drinking water and like usually watching something, even though I absolutely shouldn't. And I should quick answer some emails and I should go do a bunch of things and think about tomorrow. I just, instead, I, drink my giant tub of water. I have this big bubble mug of water and that's, that's what I do for myself before bed. Oh, I think my husband had the bubble mug. (laughs) It's really cool. It's pretty cool. Can I ask a question about how this impacts peeing throughout the night? I'm a big water drinker, but I have to, yeah. Are you up all night peeing? Or at least once? I'm not up all night, but at 4 a.m., it's like I have 30 seconds to get out of bed and make it to the bathroom before I pee my pants. It is urgent, <laughs> I, I I will say. If you eat enough other things with your water, like pretzels, it does help absorb it in your That's stomach. Fair. But um, there's my tip. There's my health tip is that you should also eat a salty snack before bed to absorb the water. So follow me for more tips. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually think that is a great tip. Uh, and and water is accessible for, for many of us. So it's thank you. It's super accessible. Yes, you're welcome. So, Kate, you are... Um, this episode is coming out, I believe, the day after your new book, I Hope This Finds You Well, a, a book of poems uh, oh, cool. comes out. So... I think we would love to kind of get started by learning about your background as a writer. How how did you begin writing? And then how did poetry really become your medium of choice? I mean, I've always been a writer in that 
you know, I was always writing um, really sad poems, <laughs> like seventh grade, and then writing some really bad stories, you know, in high school and, you know, took a poetry class in college and totally thought like, I'm writing, you know, the greatest work of our time. It, you know, of course, it was not a lot of a lot of really sad um, romance poetry happened during those years. So I was kind of always writing. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you guys had this have this experience. I don't know what if, if you have a degree in English, which uh, I do. I had all sorts of jobs after college that had nothing to do with English. Um, and, and that's basically what I did. Uh, until I had kids was just have these like really random jobs because that's what you can get with an English degree. And all the while I definitely kept writing, but um, I, I didn't use it for actual paid work until, <laughs> until recently. And then you wrote your first book, mostly in a Panera. Yeah. People love to hear about Panera. So happy to sing the praises of Panera, Panera bread. Shout out to Panera. I mean, they have me a great, there. great bread bowl, bread bowl situations at Panera. They have a great bread bowl situation. They also have a great Wi-Fi situation. There we um, go. And a comfy booth where you can like be comfortable and like put your feet up. You know, I had a special like place where I sat. There was a plug, not, you know, outlet and mm. Wi-Fi. So that's what I needed. Um, by the end of my time working there, we, we moved six months ago. Um, by the end of my time working there, I was eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches that I packed and like string cheese from like under the booth. I would like sneak it with my hand into my mouth because I couldn't take another bite <laughs> of Panera. I would like get a drink to like pay for my Wi-Fi, but I could not take another bite to be honest. And no, this is no shade to Panera, but anytime you would eat at a restaurant like that, after a while, you ca I, I will never take another bite of their food. And that, again, nothing against them. Thank you for the office space for five plus years, but I, I cannot eat another bread bowl. Would throw up. I absolutely uh, would. But yeah, I, I wrote What Kind of Woman in um, in Panera, and I wrote, I hope this finds you well in the Panera parking lot, uh, because it was COVID, and we couldn't go inside, and I still didn't have an office, and I was homeschooling my kids, and so I would park <laughs> in the parking lot, prop my laptop up on my steering wheel, and then turn the car off and on to use the heat, and I would, like, type with my hands, you know, kind of up uh, to use the Wi-Fi, and I... <laughs> I one of the friends I made there who actually works at Panera, she would see me out there and she would mouth, are you stalking me? Like <laughs> joking, like, what are you doing? It's <laughs> like, hey, thanks for letting me work here. Anyway, so shout out to Panera because I got two books written using their Wi-Fi. What did your what did your days look like when you were working on I hope this finds you well. I mean, you said you were homeschooling your kids and then you're not driving a, to the not, Panera. Not as a choice. <laughs> I wasn't choosing right. No, of course. <laughs> pandemic I mean, homeschooling. Uh, we were yes. in a pandemic. Yes. So <laughs> yeah, I'm just, totally. Um, I'm curious just like how you made this all sort of work. Yeah. Touch and go for sure. Um, trying to do both at the same time. Eventually I could have childcare back inside my house. We were just super careful. And so that's when I would go to the parking lot. I was, the kids were not in the car with me at the parking lot, just to be clear. That was when I had childcare. So, um, yeah, it was, it was difficult, but there were so many people in these kind of difficult situations, obviously much more difficult than that. Um, during COVID that I, I just felt grateful that I could at least go somewhere, even if it was just in yeah. my van, um, that I could at least keep working. I also love that you talk about this because I, I do feel like with writing, you know, and I get this way as a writer, but it's like, I think people think you have to be like at a big wooden desk and complete silence with like the birds chirping and nothing on your schedule and really so much work. And I think anybody who, who works, especially during this pandemic, is like you do it literally on the toilet sometimes, right? Like you do it wherever you get the time and the space. And it's very humanizing to hear you speak about that because I, I have spent a lot of time writing things in, in my car and doing work in very weird places. Yeah. We romanticize writing so much that it, 
it feels like almost impossible to do it unless you have, that's such a huge block of, right? That's a, a huge roadblock of for writers, I think, is like imagining that there's this ideal scenario to write mm-hmm. when obviously there's, there's not, um, even if you were at a big wooden desk with the birds chirping, that would be the exact moment that you couldn't think a single thought you've ever thought in your life. So um, <laughs> you have to take the moments where you get them. Can we talk a little bit about the the act of poetry is self-care? I'm curious if it's at all self-care for you to write and write the work that you do, because as a reader and a fan of your work, I have found it extremely important to to healing myself quite frankly and to feeling less alone especially during such an isolating time um do you find that as well as the writer of your work or or and also how does it feel to receive people who find you know escape and care in your work as for readers i i'm so honored and that that feels like you know, what a goal accomplished to have people find solace in what you write. For me, it's like the opposite of self-care as far as (laughs) my mental health, sitting down to write poems about chads is like the worst thing you could possibly do for your mental health. Um, But I mean, the act of taking the time and treating writing seriously and having it as a career, that is certainly self-care. I, got pregnant accidentally with unplanned pregnancy, the fourth, fourth baby, um, and was really depressed. And, um, it was just a, a really difficult time. And after I had him and was kind of trying to figure out, you know, what am, how am I going to do this? How am I still going to be a person and have a fourth newborn breastfeed for the fourth time? Um, it really set me back and, um, I just really had to change my life in order to kind of survive that. And that felt like self care. And, and in that was, was writing for sure. And that's how, what kind of woman was born. And so much came from that. Um, but the actual book, second book, I hope this finds you well, it was very depressing to write and was the opposite of self care, but in general, the career and, and taking the time to do that was absolutely necessary. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk about this book because you take emails and messages and also um, public written work, like pieces by, you know, uh, something Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez read on the House floor after um, a confrontation with a really shitty fellow representative or you took some of Donald Trump's words and you mentioned Chad, obviously, and you, you turn these into poems and really beautiful works of art. Um, how, what has that been like that experience and, and what kind of emotions does it bring up for you? I mean, the Donald Trump one, especially like I, I just reread it recently uh, before talking to you today. And it, it got, I, I, it got me like choked up and very, um, I don't know. It, it hit me again in a different way. Yeah. Those, those ones you're mentioning specifically, they were cathartic because, I mean, I was writing this in real time when, when a lot of this, these things were, ha- he was still in office. There was, there was such emotion, um, happening at that time. So it, it felt, it felt good. Um, but I definitely had moments that did not feel cathartic at all. It, instead, it felt awful. Especially when I was reading through messages about other people, about another race, about another kind of person that's not just about me, but coming at me for, for advocating, for, for example, for police reform or for, um, transgender rights. Those to me did not feel cathartic. They did not feel good to write. Um, we actually had to throw a bunch out because it just, it was, it didn't feel okay. Um, mm. Uh, and so, yeah, th- those ones weren't as fun. I'm saying that in quotes as fun. Now, Donald Trump, those were a little bit more fun to write only because I feel like we were all feeling this together. And those other ones just felt really gross. And I felt very alone in them. And like, 
what does this mean for humankind, basically, uh, if that makes sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's interesting, too, because I feel like now you're getting messages from people. I think I saw one of these on your Instagram where people are like, you'll probably turn this into a poem. Right. Yes, I saw that, too. Let me just, like, unleash all this vitriol on you. And it's like, so you're aware of what you're doing. <laughs> Right. And there's some like weird ego thing going on with them where they like want you to like they want to get this reaction out of you. I don't know. How do you kind of handle that with the people who are reading your work and, you know, following you on Instagram? Yeah. I mean, I like to say I'm no longer taking submissions. Like, no need to send me a bunch of hate mail. I don't want it. I, I'm not going to write another book of these. Keep it to yourself. At this point, I'm like, can you use better nouns? You know, so many I have to throw out. I mean, 99% of that kind of message I can't use because there's not enough verbs and nouns and it doesn't there's nothing there to work with. Um, mm-hmm. When I get a nice long one, I'm like, at least I have some <laughs> things to work with when they're short and rude. I'm like, delete, can't use this. I don't, right. I don't need this. Um, so in that, uh, when I kind of turn on that mindset, it's, it's less personal. I'm like, Oh, this is just content for me. Mm. Especially when I was um, writing the book and kind of like going back through my old blog comments and like just looking at different things. I was just scanning for nouns and verbs and then it became a more technical process. Um, yeah. Like I said, the ones that were about me, they're hard to read, but I'm also like, I don't care. I don't care what you think about my body. I don't, you know, Yeah. who are you? And you know, I, I but the ones about other people were, were, were the ones that were harder to read. Right. Right. That makes sense. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid forties, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. All right, we are back. Kate Bear, <laughs> uh, you said, I was reading an interview with you where uh, from before your first book came out and you said that you didn't know why moms weren't rioting in the streets. Mm. And I feel like 
if anything, it's gotten worse in the sense that like we thought like we thought paid leave was coming. It probably isn't like what do you think it will take for this country to respect the work that moms do? Do you think it will that will ever happen? I mean, I I wish the answer was if we did ride in the streets, something mm. would happen. I'm not sure if that would do anything. I don't know what that answer is. I wish that I knew. I wish that all of us knew what that was. It's so frustrating. Uh, it's so incredibly frustrating. I'm not really surprised it hasn't happened in this administration, but I, it's still very sad. It, it's yeah. our country takes so long to change things. You know, mm. um, education is another one. There's so many things. Healthcare. I think it's so complicated and so nuanced. And I want to be part of that conversation and to understand it more. And on the other hand, I'm like, can you just fix this? Can you just fix this for women? It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, yeah, it's incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And I guess on that note, like, how do you find hope or feel hope? Like, where does hope come from for you? Because, you capture, I think, like the dis- the discouraging, rage-inducing state of things. But there's always like a real persistent persistent element to your work, and like just a like there's always that glimmer of like fuck yeah, we're gonna keep going. And so I'm I'm like, what is that for you? Like, where do you find that in your day to day? I think by imagining the alternative, because the alternative to that is feeling hopeless, which is a really horrible way to live. I think we probably all know people. I'm picturing the SNL skit, Debbie Downer. Mm-hmm. Isn't that her name? Yeah. yeah. We all know people like that, and we can all be that person for sure, um, myself included. Um, and I think just the alternative of constantly having that mindset and being down about everything, it's just what a waste of a life to live like that. Mm. Um, I'd like to say something like in the smiles of my children, but really (laughs) I have to, they're my, they're such a Debbie downer asking me for snacks all the time. I mean, they, they do have a joy that is contagious at times, but I think just imagining the alternative of just saying, well, I guess this is just how things are. I guess this, this is just how men talk to women is so sad, uh, that I would rather, kind of look the other way. And, and this is coming from, so I am not an eternal optimist. I am not an Enneagram three. I'm not walking around with a golden retriever puppy. It takes a lot for me to feel hope. Um, but I do what I can. What is your Enneagram number? Do you know, are you an Enneagram person? I am an Enneagram person. I am the worst number after eight. <laughs> I'm a four, which is the worst. Is four the worst? I think they're the worst. Remind me what four is. Sad, poets, dramatic, (laughs) have to feel their feelings. Ah, the individualist. Oh, yeah. Those kind of people are so annoying to me. And I can think of some like celebrity ones and all of those people. I'm just like, I don't. I don't want to be like you. And yet I am. It's probably why they annoy me so much. Um, <laughs> not going to name names, but there are just some people that have a public persona that are this number that I'm like, oh, crap. Okay. And here you are. I guess I'm like them. Well, I'm looking on the Enneagram Institute's website. So, you know, the the gold standard, I guess. And they describe the individualist as the sensitive, withdrawn type, expressive, dramatic, self-absorbed, and temperamental. See? Do you want to know that person? Well, I mean, (laughs) I like, I feel like we need those people because like poets, I think are often described in this way, right? Like sensitive, dramatic, expressive, like, Sure. I think, you know, we need people like you. So, and I, yeah. I, and there's I like also you. healthy, there's also healthy and unhealthy of all numbers. Yeah. So the totally. unhealthy four is that talk about a Debbie Downer. That's an unhealthy four. I think that, you know, 
got to do our best. There's unhealthy and healthy of all numbers. So, oh yeah, I'm but a two. I, I and there's a mess in there. There's a lot to work through <laughs> in the twos. What's the biggest not- downfall of the two? Oh, I'm a people pleaser. I like that's the biggest thing is people pleasing, which is an exhausting way to live your life. Like yeah. it's, I'm so deferential to other people in a way that like I almost lie in order to make other people feel better. I mean, it's and it's like yeah. I've had to really unravel this with a lot of mental health work, but like woof. Uh. Can I ask you about this, Kate? Because you get referred to as a quote, an Instagram poet a lot. And oh yeah. I'm wondering if how you feel about that moniker and if there isn't a bit of a gendered thing going on here, like attacking the word Instagram in front of poet, is it a put down? Is it a compliment? Like what do you, what do you make of that? Yeah. Well, first I was called mommy blogger for a long time. So I, I was kind of used to, like a label that is passive aggressively mean. Um, I don't, it used to really bother me. I've, I've let it go because I am a poet who is, who is on Instagram. So I guess I, I mean, I've been called such worse things in my life. Um, in, in third grade, Mike Parker called me Miss Piggy's ugly stepsister. So I feel like if I could withstand Mike Parker, nice. the biggest jack of all time, I can withstand Instagram poet. I would not call myself that. I would call myself someone who knows how to market their poetry on Instagram. If you give mm. a preview of the work, people want to buy your book. If you don't, why would someone just blindly pick up your book? So um, you could also call me good at marketing. I was reading that your mom was a teacher and your dad was a Christian radio host um, when you were yeah. growing up. And I'm wondering if that has had any influence on you and your work as an adult? Yes, but not how you might imagine. Uh, my dad worked at a meatpacking plant for the first 10, 13 years of my life, actually, um, and had always wanted to be in radio. I'd wanted it so badly. I was working terrible hours. And um, and then it worked out that he was able to be a DJ on a Christian radio station and then ended up being the manager um, and now is the uh, vice president. And wow, I remember a, a, I'm, I remember a huge change in our family when that happened. And it wasn't because of money. It certainly doesn't pay a lot. It was because of how happy he was and mm. seeing him realize his dream and, and do what he actually wanted to do and how sometimes it, it takes time to get there, but it's so worth the payoff. I mean, it's so cheesy, but seeing that was so was made such an impact on me. And it wasn't because he was sitting down with me every night and being like, if you keep working hard, you could, it was just seeing, it was just watching him be able to do what he had always wanted to do ever since he was a little boy recording all these fake radio shows on his little cassette player. And then watching him live out that dream uh, made such a huge impact on me. Um, so yes, in that way it did. <laughs> oh, I love that so much. That's like, that's like truly inspiring. He's an inspiring guy. Kate, how, how do you recommend people who want to dabble in writing poetry, not even to get published necessarily, but just as an act of something to do for themselves? How do you get back into it? Because I, I will say like, I wrote very bad poetry when I was in college also. Uh, no, maybe it wasn't bad. I wrote amazing poetry. But the thought of sitting down and writing a poem now feels daunting. Like, I don't so even scary. quite... Yes, it feels very terrifying. Dory, I don't know when the last time was that you wrote a poem. I, I, I have not... Poetry was not ever my medium. So... <laughs> so... <laughs> Like, so I, I mean, maybe first grade, like I, I, it really was not a thing for me. So then what would be like, what advice do you have for people who like want to, but are already talking themselves out of it as we are often want to do? That's a great question. I had always thought of a poet as like a grad student smoking a pipe, walking around, you know, Venice, um, his, with a trust fund, probably, I mean, whatever, you know, but I, I kind of had this image of what a 
poet looked like for so long and did everything but poetry up until a few years ago. I, I avoided it like the plague because I, I thought you had to be a specific kind of person. Um, and then Mary Oliver died and I started rereading a lot of her books and she was kind of a gateway to like, Oh, there's like, I'd read poetry, but I wasn't reading it every day. And I started reading it every day. And that is my suggestion. Once I started reading it on a consistent basis, the cadence and the language and, and the way we tell a story, it just started to be part of me. And I, I realized this is always what I was supposed to do. If that makes sense. I know that sounds, again, that sounds really cheesy, but that kind of boiled down storytelling has always spoke to me and, and to, I just, I, I just went for it. And, um, mm. So my suggestion would be to read as much as you can. And I think that's kind of a suggestion for doing anything new is to absorb as much as you can read as much poetry as you can read it out loud. Um, it is, is hugely helpful. On um, Kate on Instagram, on the G thanks Instagram, you and I had a little exchange because you asked if you should bring your vibrator to our recording. <laughs> and I said, yes. And we've not talked about it yet. So is that something you want to mention? <laughs> I'm happy to talk about my vibrator. I was on G thanks and talked about my garden, which overalls, um, which people really love. And, and I, you know, started a friendship with Caroline and uh, yeah, we just had been chatting after that podcast aired for a few months and then randomly one night I got high and I don't know about you guys, but I start to feel really friendly under the influence of anything. And I was texting her and I said, I have actually another great product to recommend to you. It's my vibrator. And she was really jazzed to come talk to have me come talk about it. So uh, yeah, that's, that was what that was in reference to, because I think it was under a picture of overalls. And I wanted to yes. remind everyone that I've actually <laughs> recommended two products, both life changing, but just for different reasons. You contain okay, multitudes. So, so for the benefit of our listeners, what is this magical vibrator? It's called the magic wand. Um, you plug it into the wall. That is, I just want to say that up front. You plug it in. I know that sounds crazy. I know it sounds like it would be, would not be great. I promise you, you want to plug it into the wall. And uh, I also want to say that with some practice, you will meet Jesus. You will meet Jesus. That is, that is what I'll say. A chorus of angels will sing and he will appear unto you. Uh, Yes. This is the magic wand, like the Hitachi original. The Hitachi original. Yeah, like the one that's in Sex in the City. Absolutely. I promise you, it is the best. And I have other ones. I've I've tested many other products. Uh, This one will never let you down. Now, this was also featured. I don't know if you follow Turtle Creek Lane on also on Instagram. When that uh, happened, so many people <laughs> sent it to me. And I was like, I don't follow her. But I was like, there it is. I have that same one plugged. My bedroom doesn't look like that. But that's exactly what I have next to my bed. It was so it made her so relatable. I love it. I love that it happened. I did. I know. I loved it, too. I don't know if it was it like was a purposeful a- posing of the item, but... Yeah, it was, it was perfect, though. Lots of theories. Mm-hmm. Okay, I've not tried a magic wand, so maybe I need to uh, gift this to myself for Christmas. I think you should gift it to yourself for what a holiday are we on? Thanksgiving? Arbor Day? I don't know what holiday <laughs> we're on, but <laughs> that I would matter. Get it, I think. <laughs> yeah, I I think you I think you deserve it for Veterans Day. It feels right. A Veterans Day vibrator. A Veterans Day vibrator. A Veterans Day vibe. Yes, a Veterans Day vibe. (laughs) I mean, you did start this. We did start by discussing vibes at the top of this episode. You literally said you liked our vibe, and we said we liked yours. I like your vibe, and I want you to like my vibe. (laughs) Literally like your vibe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You will literally... My vibe will change your life, I promise. I want you to send me a text after... Multiple orgasms. Okay. And you can just say, I saw Jesus. 
uh, appear to me. Yes. Well, Kate, this has been so much fun to get to talk to you. Um, we're so grateful to have you on and we both admire your work so much. Um, your first book is What Kind of Woman? And your second book of poems, I Hope This Finds You Well, is out now. It has been out for a day. Um, Kate, where else, <laughs> where can our listeners find you? I mean, I guess most importantly, your social media platform of choice is Instagram. Um, where are you on there and where else can people find your work? I am Kate J. Bear on Instagram and all social medias, although I'm not on them as much. Um, you can find me there. I have a website. I have a very baby virgin Substack that I maybe will never use, but you can find me on all the places that you find people. And I'm so thrilled and honored that to be on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Um, Kate Thank and Kate, you, Kate and Dory. This was Kate great. and Kate and Dory. Kate, 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 <laughs> K squared. Story K squared. King King. <sighs> All right. Thank you so much. <sighs> what a joy it was to get to talk to her. I know. I'm curious. Did you ever write poetry like as a teen? No. Or did we talk about this? Oh, yeah, we did talk about this. But you've never written like you never even wrote like a poem. Like nothing. It's just never, never we're drawn to it. There's, I think there's like, you know, poems that I wrote in like second grade of like rhyming couplets about the weather. You know what I mean? Right, right. But not like when you were like got your heart broken and you wrote a poem. No, it, that was it never on the internet. That was never my, no, that was never my medium. I was more of a like angsty journal person, but okay. not like a, not, not poetry. I definitely have some very embarrassing poems that I wrote in my journal and then also that I shared in an AOL poetry forum for fish oh, fans. Oh, hello. Poetry for fish fans, Dory. That's where I was around the ages wow. of 18. Oh, that is niche and yet so on brand. <laughs> like, of course I was in a fish poetry forum sharing my poems about it's my college beautiful. boyfriend. Oh, it's God. beautiful. Well, you know, the last time we did intentions, yours was quote nature and cold. I'm trying to remember what that was. That was that was the retreat we went on. Oh my God, that's right. Oh boy. <laughs> you were intent on enjoying nature and the cold air. And I did. I know you were like a buzz with enjoyment. I was. I, I feel I feel a little bad saying that. No, I knowing. had a good time until I broke my hand. Oh, yeah, because your intention was to be gentle with yourself <laughs> post-witnessing trauma and enjoy being in nature with my friends. <laughs> oh, God. Well, because as mentioned, I had a traumatic experience watch witnessing someone fall and die at a fish show. And then I was yeah. like, I'll, I'll work on that. I went to therapy with it about it. And I'll just go to oh, nature yeah, yeah, and I'll yeah. journal. And then, of course, you know, then I broke my hand. But, <sighs> you know, life... Life comes at you fast. You never life, know which way it's going to go. Life comes at you fast. It's true. So well, we are like, I'm so sorry. We're so in sync that we keep talking over each other. I know. <laughs> um, I was just going to say this week, I need to focus on some writing stuff. And pleasure writing, yeah. like writing, not writing um, a freelance assignment, but just stuff that you're working on. Not writing a freelance assignment. I finally, the freelance assignment that I was working on is almost closed. It's in fact checking. So like it's, it's almost out of my hands. Um, there's just like a couple tweaks, but it's like mostly done. So I don't need to worry about that. And like we don't have a newsletter this week. Like we don't have, you know, other, I don't have other stuff and, and I have some, um, stuff for the, book project that I'm sort of trying to get off the ground um, that I need to get done this week. I mean, I do want to quote, when you finished your last book, you were like, I'm never writing. And I okay, but then I, I, I <laughs> modified it to say that I was never writing another memoir. Good, because I was like, you have to keep, I need you to write more books. Like oh, the world you. needs so you. And I'm so, I'm so glad you have something I mean, brewing. Do they? Yes, we there's do. A of, there's a lot. There's a lot of books. There are a lot of books, but there's only one Dory Shafrir. 
Oh, that's true. Well, there's only one Kate Spencer. Well, that's true. And my intention this week is to do all my physical therapy exercises that I'm supposed to do at home, which is a lot. And also it makes my stomach curl because I can barely move my hand. And so mm-hmm. for some reason, like, do you know when like you move your body and it like makes you physically nauseous? Do you know that feeling? Mm-hmm. So I'm relearning how to use my right hand and the excerpt, you know, I can't make a fist. I can't, I can't do anything mm. with it. So I have to do all these kind of very basic exercises. And I really, if I want to get better, I have to do them three times a day. So it's a lot of uh, physical therapy work, but I am really trying to stick to it. I really want to heal. I really want you to heal. Well, thank you. And I do feel like most of the time when I go to physical therapy, I'm very lazy about doing the home exercises. So. <sighs> Not well, I time. feel like sometimes this is just going to be an aside, but like sometimes you have an injury or something you're doing physical therapy for that, like it's not impeding your day to day life necessarily. Right. And so you're like, well, I know I should work on this, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't know I have other things to do. But like with your hand, it's like in your face all the time. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. I like this for you. Well, thank you. I like this for me too. And, you know, I also like you. Oh, I like you too. Uh, And, you know, I'll just let everybody know that this show, Forever 35, is hosted and produced by Dory Shafrir and Kate Spencer and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager, our network partner is ACAST, and we thank you for listening. Bye.